Well, welcome everyone to the Rob Elliott podcast where we talk to real people who have made a real success in their life. Today's guest is what you call a triple threat, but in many, many different ways. She's an actor, she's a comedian, and she's a model. But I think most importantly, she's also a mum. She lives in LA, but she didn't come from LA. Please welcome to the show, Eugenie Kuzmina. G'day, how are you? Hi, Rob. I'm so excited to be on the show. And uh, what a way to connect across the world these days, you know, with all the amazing backgrounds and tech <laughs> we discussed. You know, it's really exciting to, to chat with you and connect to your viewers. Thank you very much. Look, it's, it's funny that when the COVID hit and everything else, it's actually made it easier to get people to come on because they don't have to be in front of you. You don't have to record with lights and camera and that. You can set it up and talk to people in their lounge rooms and uh, listen to everything that's going on. You live in LA these days, but uh, you're originally from Russia. Yes, I am, you know, so I was prepared for the pandemic. I actually grew up in food lines and <laughs> um, I have a joke that like in America, the food lines, they have food. Hmm. Um, so it, I was quite like mentally, I think, prepared and calm when hmm. people started hitting the stores and fighting over things. <laughs> um, and yeah, I grew up in post-Soviet Russia. Forgive me, my dog is a guard dog, so he will be part of this not perfectly produced podcast <laughs> um, as a background sound sometimes. But yeah, I grew up in post-Soviet Russia and uh, my dad was a nuclear scientist. Yes. Was one of the first responders to Chernobyl. So I learned a lot about, you know, government and, you know, political situations and history through him, you know, directly. Mm. Uh, and a lot of things were changing really fast. So yeah. I think it taught me like to adjust and different, you know, regimes and kind of traveling after for modeling and acting. It also taught me like to be open-minded about, you know, everybody's opinions and their views. So how old were you when you left Russia? I left Russia when I was 15 um, and then I moved to Paris. I lost my dad at mm -hmm. 15. So I kind of had to be homeschooled yep. and I started working and signed a contract with Natalie Models. I was really lucky that my agent, you know, kind of took really good care of, um, as a mom almost figure because mm -hmm. as you know, modeling can be a very challenging world where it appears to be so glamorous and hey. easy and you, you know, you kind of can wear off not so glamorous direction yeah. uh, and started going to clubs and things like that. So I felt I was really protected in that sense and kind of, you know, was focused on the work rather than going out and glamour. Yeah. When, if you look at uh, life in Russia when you were young and then when you moved overseas to Paris and you, you got exposed to everything that was going on, what was the biggest difference in living in Russia and living outside of Russia? Well, I remember going to the supermarket. I mean, first of all, we never had so much food variety. <laughs> and I discovered avocados for the first time. We didn't have <laughs> nothing. And I was like, how do you eat that? And just the food culture in Paris, you know, they eat this cheese, which is very smelly. And I thought, <laughs> my God, what is this? <laughs> or the way they make salads and they put, you know, mushrooms that are not cooked. Like just the, all the cultural differences were quite shocking and of course you know being in the modeling industry i was a teenager i didn't have money to like buy clothes and mm -hmm. i had to go to auditions kind of be presentable to clients so 
you know, I think my first dress, I cut it out of the stockings and like my inspiration was Pretty Woman. That's the yes. only film, like one of the first ones that I saw and my agent was just in shock and saying like, you can't walk like this too. <laughs> and I think with Dior and, you know, they, they, their clothing company, they want you to actually be somebody who represents their brand and not, you know, somebody that, wearing <laughs> How did you actually, a 15 year old girl, Russia, how did you get actually get into modeling? Um, you know, at the end of Soviet time, uh, there were a lot of companies that were company that were coming to Russia, yes. and they needed Russian models to advertise L'Oreal and Coca Cola. We didn't quite have the show business at that time. No magazines. You know, everything was propaganda, yes. kind of. But when I was 13, there was one, there were a few Russian designers, of course, yeah. you know. So one designer, he really noticed me. Uh, his name is Vyacheslav Zaitsev. And he was like the biggest Russian designer. And I was really surprised. I was super shy, you know, but he saw something and it kind of, I think he was a dreamer. And for me, it gave like a possibility to be creative in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and I started working on, you know, L'Oreal and commercials in Russia first. Yep. And a scout found me on the streets of Moscow and, you know, suggested I go to Paris. Of course, my parents were like thinking he would take me to dance on the tables in Turkey. <laughs> that was unheard of, like a contract to Paris. We couldn't yeah. travel, but it was such a huge opportunity. So I had to convince my parents to, you know, go check it out with my mom first when I was 14. Yeah. And then when I lost my dad, I kind of had to make a decision if mm. I would go to college, which I couldn't afford, you know, obviously yep. my mom was a stay-at-home mom. So I had to take care of the business and help mm. my family and my sister to, to kind of get her education. So who looked after you? Like you're a girl, 15. It's a recipe for disaster, if you know what I mean, going another country in the modeling world. And we all know what we've all heard the stories. How were you protected and who looked after you in those, especially in those 15 and 16 year old years where you can be easily um, manipulated, taken advantage of, uh, and you came through it? I mean, what happened? How did you get through all that? Well, honestly, I think I was very lucky because the, uh, my agency, Natalie Cross Cotton, a woman, she's just amazing and her yeah. being a mom figure, um, I remember my first year was quite challenging because I was trying to fit into the mold of like being the skinniest and like, yeah. you know, just whatever is there is a competition or whatever in my mind, you know, I had to get the job because I need to, to support my family. Yep. Uh, so I developed anorexia and, um, you know, she tried to, she actually like put me aside and said, no, you have to go home and take care of that, you know, and have your values and priorities wow. straight. So I had to ground myself and kind of, you know, reevaluate what is important for my life and that it, this is just a job. Yep. And it took me quite a long time to find my voice. You know, I think I wasn't ready for that, you know, like I wasn't an outspoken person, somebody who's very confident and, you know, is an extrovert. Like it, it's probably much easier job to just fit in and like, hey, look at me. Yeah. But for me, I would always be like somebody who is like hiding in the corner and like, don't look at me, which is yeah. the opposite of modeling. <laughs> so, yeah, it took me a while, you know, um, until maybe a year later, mm. I went to meet Yves Saint Laurent, the designer, yes. uh, the late designer himself. And I think he's a little bit of that personality, like introverted. And mm. I remember 
walking into his fitting room and he was hiding behind this like smoke, you know, and it's just like a vision and so mysterious. And he booked me for his first show with Carlo Bruni and mm -hmm. Naomi Campbell, Claudia Schiffer. All How the old big were you then? Um, I was 15. Yeah. And it was huge. It was at the stadium in France. It was part of their uh, soccer, I think, championship or um, whatever was happening. And it's a huge deal yeah. for, you know, for people in Paris, their sports is everything. So um, it was incredible. It just gave me such an inspiration. After that, I worked with a lot of designers, kind of learning about them and their work rather than yeah. like all being about myself. So it helped me to be part of the team and, you know, all the projects and creative like creative process. So how, at what age do you think you're at, you, you reach your pinnacle as a model back then? Was it when you were 18, 19? Was it later when you got well-known overseas? When did you think that how, how the old cliches, you had made it? Um, you know, it's interesting because a lot of times in modeling and it, it changes so fast now with all the social media and everything else that's happening, you know, but at the time you have to go to New York and that's the place where, you know, as a model, like you really become a top model yes. and you can make it and all the top designers and everybody comes there and your rates are raising. Yep. So I think when I moved to New York um, and, you know, like a 21, I think I moved yes. exactly there. I signed my contract with four models and then IMG. So there were top agencies and I, you know, I got all my covers yeah. campaigns with L'Oreal and billboards. And I really felt like, you know, that was like my career. And then I had my kids in the middle of it all. <laughs> <laughs> my agents were saying like, this is the biggest mistake I'm ever making because I had Vogue booked to go to, you know, to India. Like I had so many jobs lined up. I was literally one of the biggest money makers in my agency and you know i decided to have kids at that point when i was listening to you when you mentioned earlier you were shy i remember i've been in sales for over 30 years and we have what we call promotional girls where you book them and they hand out the free this the free that and a lot of them are models and they do that because uh they're just starting out and i was talking to a girl once and she was 21 and she was talking she said i've been doing this since i was 16. And I said, what was it like? Now, you will understand this much better than me. She said she was shy and she used to sit in the corner and she was absolutely gorgeous. And she said, what happened was I had to get used to being comfortable in my own skin. She said, before nudity and walking past someone wearing next to nothing, I, I would petrify me. She said, but once I understood that my biggest asset, and she wasn't being detrimental, was... Her asset was her body and her face. That was her key to making it overseas and making it everywhere. So she had to readjust herself and say, all right, when I'm at work, this is me. I mean, she said, you know, who, who hasn't seen a naked woman or near naked woman or guy walking past now, really? And so she just let it, didn't give a hoot. And she said, as soon as she relaxed and said, I'm in charge, I'm a powerful person. This was her words because... I choose what I wear. I choose what I do. She said her career really kicked off. How hard was it for you being a shy person to where you are today, being comfortable in your own skin and saying, hi, this is me. I love what I do. I'm very good at what I do. And that's it. You know, I, I'm, I'm so lucky to where I am. 
Um, you know, uh, finding a voice is kind of like a process, definitely for me, it's very important. And that's something that I teach my kids mm. and authenticity and being yourself. Yep. Um, I felt I found it when I started doing stand-up comedy, um, mm. funnily enough, because you were there talking to, you know, complete strangers and you were naked, not in a sense like a model, but yeah. you were actually more naked. <laughs> <laughs> So many senses and as an actor as well you know of course their character that you can like kind of hide behind but doing stand-up was something that definitely gave me that power and opened up my voice and even more than that i have i'm learning how to sing now for an upcoming project so that was like a next level yeah because you know, in stand-up comedy there's always like that part of humor and sarcasm that covers the whole truth but i feel like and when you sing you just go directly to the heart of another person telling stories and you have to be authentic uh, otherwise people you know wouldn't relate to that mm. um, and in modeling wise i feel like i a lot of times the way i found myself in that i wanted to play characters so for me i would always make like well this this is the story like 10 pages and it's a silent story about like this woman and which dresses she would wear and like she's in this hotel or something like I would always come up with like backstory for the character and then like why is she there and like what is in her eyes what is happening through her so it was kind of natural for me you know to to go into acting after and kind of do the so same. You must have been really disappointed having to do photo shoots and ads on television with really really good looking guys and having <laughs> and play, know, you know, play a character because I have looked at some of your ads and they are, they're actually, when you look at it, they're quite funny. It's, uh, you can see where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, I never judge people just with their appearance. I think it's definitely can be deceiving in like yeah. first five seconds and yeah. then you get used to it. And like, I really love knowing who people are. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting, that's the thing in modeling because you know, you it, it's really not a skill. Like it's just what your parents gave you and that's what it is. And then the skill comes from like, how you move or dance or, you know, what else can you bring to the project? Yeah. But it's yeah. not about appearance. Now, look, I think, I think when you look at it, in many ways, it's you, you, your skill really is using what you've been given, as you just said. Do you, think, sure. do you think these days there's more protection for people starting out in the industry than what there was when you started? I don't think so, because now everything is out there. It's all on the internet, you know, mm. there so many platforms i'm going to change in good and bad ways i think both because you know a lot of times there's this expectation with photoshop and yeah. you know unrealistic uh filters that everybody looks a certain way and then i think as a teenager it can be like nerf you know it, it can be really bad for your self-esteem just to yes. align yourself to those unrealistic expectations um but at the same time, it creates platforms for anybody as a creator to, mm -hmm. you know, to be a model. Like you don't have to look a certain way. And there's so much diversity around the world. You yep. know, at least in America, I can see the trend with like body shape and like, you know, ageism. Like it's very, there are people like, you know, who are 70s and they're amazing models. So yeah. it's very inspirational in that sense. And I think once you have something more authentic, like brands are looking for that, you yes. know, these days so you can connect to nike and just if you have like a, your message figured out and your authenticity so they're looking they're probably would you say that these days are looking more than more than looks are looking for depth absolutely yeah you have to tell the story you know it's not enough just to like be this 
photoshopped or like unavailable image. You know, when I started modeling, they were telling us like, you can't look directly at, you know, consumers that you work with. You have to look above their heads when you are on the runway because, you know, you apparently have to portray that like unavailable, um, you know, very luxury part of the brand. But I think these days with everything that's happening, I think it's, first of all, the pandemic changed fashion world so much. So now it's all about comfortable wear and, <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, it's definitely different, you know, different business now. If you look back now at when you started and where it is today, what is the one thing you think being a model taught you? I think it taught me to, um, to use my voice in, you know, and, and my, whatever I have the image in a good way, you know, yeah. so I can, there's so many campaigns that I support, you know, for the environment, which I yep. took from my dad, like anti-plastic. And I definitely want to work with brands. Like after a certain time, I want to work with brands that I really believe in their message. There's so much products. Like when I remember when I moved to America, yeah. shopping all day, you know, like here and there, like there's so many brands and everything is in your face, like yeah. buy this, buy that. So I think for me, quality over quantity yep. and, the power of using your voice and anything else and support other teenagers who are, you know, are insecure or shy or yeah. struggle with anorexia and things like that. So it's very important. So where did you, or why did you decide to get into comedy? Um, well, I moved to Los Angeles after having my first kid. Um, and, you know, I wanted to kind of have more stable family. My husband was a producer and now runs a studio. So I kind of found myself by accident in the middle of, you know, in the middle of show business, <laughs> not knowing anything about it. And, uh, you know, started doing acting just because everybody who is a model in LA goes for acting auditions. Yeah. It's just nature of business in this town. Yeah. Uh, so I got a few jobs, you know, I found it more interesting in so many ways because it's yeah. more psychological. But at the same time, like I felt Hollywood doesn't give you if you have an accent and have diversity. And I, th I know people like really fighting for that now, uh, yeah. you know, to have diverse storytelling, but I yes. still feel there's not enough like organic ways to, to share our experience as humanity. So I kind of got bored playing, you know, Russian spies only. Yes. Like I feel like I mastered that or like gold diggers or <laughs> anything else. And I, I wanted to find a voice. I was doing a film with Woody Allen and John Turturro in New York yep. at a um, and I found out, you know, we were shooting at Carlisle where Woody used to play jazz and things like that. And I found out that he was doing stand up. And, you know, I, at the time I was looking to do a play and there are not a lot of Russian characters as well, even though Russian theater is such a big, you know, part yeah. of our culture. So I found that writing your own stand up, like you can take control of your message and, you know, communication and connection to people. I do love your opening line when you walk out on stage and go, man, I'm hungry. Know, yes. And everyone looks at you. Here's this, you know, lovely looking model. And then, you know, typecasts, they don't eat. And you just <laughs> lay it out there in front of everybody. And what can they say? They can't even heckle you on that. <laughs> How did you handle the guys? Yeah, yeah. How did I handle what? I'm sorry. How do you handle the guys in the audience if they start to heckle you or maybe don't uh laugh? I, I mean, I love heckling. Also, of course, you go through times where audience really can't connect to you. And I think mm -hmm. now it happens less and less. But when I started out, 
you have to bomb. Like it's yep. just part of the process. So it's very intimidating. But at the same time, what I love about stand-up is you have to be present and in, in the moment. Yeah. So as long as you handle, I would handle things like that, like saying zero laughs, just like modeling. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, people know that it's truth. Whenever you connect in the moment, you can always bring audience with you yeah. and be in the same place with you. Like as long as you experience what you experience and you share yeah. the truth rather than hiding like, oh my God, it's so embarrassing. I think you can always, you know, find ways to connect and heckling is fun. It's just somebody who's not heard and maybe he wants to go on stage and, you know, like I'm encouraging in that. <laughs> so. Oh, dear, dear. so the third threat you've got, as we as we they call in the industry, is you're an actress, and you've actually appeared in quite a lot of uh, movies in front of some amazing people. Before we ask you about them and who you've actually worked with, how did you actually? I know you spoke about your your husband and he's a producer. Getting into acting from modelling was it that much different, or was it just a different script? No, it's very different, you know, and that's why I think, unfortunately, there is a cliche saying that models can't act because sometimes we get presented those big opportunities just because we come from modeling and already like yes. an established, you know, background and we have the audience. So sometimes you get an opportunity, but you're not ready for that because it's a completely different profession. You know, as a model, you project everything. And if you look at the magazines, a lot of times you don't really see the eyes of the models. It's more like about you know, the way you move. So it's a projection yes. um, and acting is the opposite thing. You have to allow the camera to come to you. You actually have to be so open that, and like uninhibited of how you look, you can't look perfect, you know, which no. is the opposite of modeling. You have to be vulnerable, raw and perfect and be okay and stand there, you know, and a lot of times it's intimidating. Um, so, you know, I think I was fired from um, a really good set on the film that I shot with Zac Efron. And of course I was mad and upset, but yeah. over the time I realized that I didn't have the skill to deliver. Yes. And now being part of the team on set, it's a completely different thing for me. I know that I bring something to the project and I know yeah. that you know we're creating something else and it's not about me at all. How did it feel the first time you got a call back to say, yes, you've got the part, even if it was the most tiniest part in acting? Um, I got a film with Rodrigo Prieto and Elle Fanning, um, one of the first films like outside of Russia that I've done. And it was just so exciting because I went to audition, you know, went to the cattle call is, yes. you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but I really, and it was a really dark role. Like it, yeah. it's all about like your dark sides and things you don't want to share. And that's what we were improvising in auditions. So like put a camera on you and like, tell me your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I was, I was very excited, you know, because I think it gave me a permission to, to be that perfect person after, you know, so many years of modeling and like having that expectations of like work, walking into the meeting. And I felt like a master that like, you know, yeah. perfect look, makeup and hair done and like my nails done and like, okay, here I am, but not specifically here. Yeah. And then when I, when I kind of shared who I am as a person and maybe, you know, all these imperfections, it was very exciting to get that call for sure. Do you think a lot of actresses and actors don't share who they are. They just, when they're in the public eye, they play a character. And then when the cameras are off, they go back to who they are rather than a lot of the most successful actors, what from I can see, stay in character. In other words, 
they are who they are being off camera and on camera? You know, it's interesting. I was talking to my therapist about this subject ah. matter. Uh, and I think it's important to have therapy just to reflect on it because, you know, acting is such a, it's a strange business. It's a show business. It's not just an expression. So a lot of times if you get into this and a lot of actors get into that just because they want to find the voice, I feel like they went through something traumatic and they yeah. don't have a way to express it. And if they don't have that self-reflection, it can be really strange. Like as a child, if you get into it and then you get successful very fast so you get all, all this projection or objectification, you know, in a certain roles. And you, you, that's why, like, you start to do a lot of drugs, you know, and yeah. we're in that. And that's why, like, people, you know, famous actors died of over, overdoses, just because they don't have the time to reflect of who they really are. Um, but at the same time, I think it's, it's interesting because to every role, you bring a part of yourself. Like, that's why they hire you, because there is that part that you can... And maybe it's not the part that you want to share, but you yeah. know, definitely it makes roles more interesting and specific. And um, there is that too. Yeah, it's uh, it's you, you do see it, and I've heard you read the stories. And how do you look at when you see a story in, in a magazine or on television or whatever, and you know the person the story's about, and you know it's totally bunkus. It's not true. It's just made up rubbish. Do you think sometimes the press go too far with what they print and what they say and how they embellish something that is really just a normal person living their life like everybody else? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, knowing now a lot of people who are featured in the magazine, sometimes it's shocking how untrue things are. And I think press is there for a reason. They're there to sell the magazine and the story and make it amplified and especially negative stories, you know. So we just have to look back at like our culture and why we read them because, you know, I I was creating actually a reality show a few years ago, trying to come up with a positive message. And I had all these meetings with networks and they would just tell me like, there's no positive reality shows. Like you have to, you have to make it negative, like, because people want to see other people fail and like all this drama, you know, you have to create it. So that's something that I think is interesting to see back, you know, and to reflect why we have those projections and like heroes that we want to like strip down and see how they fail and like how their life fails. There's something in the psych, you know, and psychology of, of each of us, like why we buy those magazines. And, you know, I think it's all part of the circle, like, you know, that. So is, that, is, that, is that why in Model Mums you admitted that your car went to one side? And you've been doing it for a year, and I was I was watching a, a clip on one of those uh, shows. I think is it Model Mums? Is it is that what it was? Oh called? yeah. Well, that's the blog that I started. Yes, uh, yes Model Mom. You know, I started it just because I couldn't find becoming a mom. I was so proud of having kids, and I put them in my portfolio and went to the clients, and then the clients wouldn't hire me because they were concerned that I won't be able to travel or things like that. You know. Mm. So I, I was like so passionate about, you know, creativity and work and just was wondering if other mothers struggle with the same thing, like of yeah. being also a mom and there's so many expectations in that, like, you know, yeah. um, and that's how I started that. And I tried to create the, you know, reality show and I decided to stop and not go that way. And currently I'm working maybe on a comedy, more scripted aspect of that. But I think it's important for us to share like vulnerability. Yeah. Humans. Do you think uh, Hollywood and the entertainment industry 
needs to maybe adapt now because so many people and so many actresses like you, their family is everything and their private life is everything, but they want to be out of work. There's nothing wrong with them working, but they've got to allow for, I've got a two year old. I have an eight year old. that has got to go to school. You know, the world doesn't come to an end if I can't go because I've got to go to uh, my child's whatever at school for a day. Uh, you think they've got to learn, well, hang on a minute, there's more to life than just a stereotyped actress or actor and you must be doing this for six weeks and your family and your other commitments don't matter? Um, I think you have to understand it, it is a business, you know. Yep. So I make sure, like, on my part, I show up on time and be professional. Yeah, that's true, um, you are. Yeah, things happen, you know, but it's what I grew up, you know, with like the ethics and, you know, respecting other people's job and like trusting me with like mm -hmm. advertising either their products or being part of their film. Yeah. Uh, but obviously a lot of moms who are in Hollywood right now, they create this amazing clubs. Like I, I did New Girl show yes. and um, June Dan Raphael, uh, she's an amazing actress and she created this like working space for mothers, um, yeah. like a club where you can have your kids and also like work on your projects and awesome. things like that. And also I love the fact that a lot of people like Reese Witherspoon, you know, they create their own products and their own films yes. and producers, which is so important because then you are more in control of your time and not just like dependent on other people's, you know, hiring you and their schedule specifically. Like I think it's important. Time is everything in life. Yeah. So that's one thing that you have to manage like according to your values or yeah, needs. That's true. Uh, I did notice you've, you've actually worked with some amazing actors and actresses. So I'm going to ask you a nice positive question because I like that way. <laughs> Who has been the most fun actor and actress that you've worked with that you've learned from? Um, it's hard to say because everybody, I've been so fortunate. I've been around amazing actors. Yeah. Um, I love the film that we did, Rock the Casbah with Bill Murray. I mean, obviously he's just such a talent and um, there were so many stories and said we shot in Morocco yeah. and Zoe Chanel, like she's an amazing singer, you know, just mm -hmm. such a talented um, actor and singer. And also I didn't, I had no idea that Bruce Willis is an amazing singer until we really? went to karaoke. Yeah, oh my God, like his voice is, yeah. is just fantastic. And you know, I can see how he's, been typecast in a certain way yes um, and yeah i mean working with bill murray is fun because it's improvising and things like that i love zach efron just because he's such a giving actor yeah. he's always there for your reversal and it's something that you know a lot of people don't understand like you know if you're maybe a more established actor you don't have to be there for reversal of the camera but he was always there for you and like acting not just throwing lines so it helps mm -hmm. a lot you know to be part of the team i love working with uh, dominic cooper on yeah. the upcoming series so i felt like it was part of like creative project and also mila kunis um christina applegate on bad moms that was yeah. one of my favorite sets because you know they were all moms in real life and nobody was fighting over trailers and like whatsoever i felt like everybody was just focused on work and it was super fun but you know there's so many people like john Turturro. Yeah. who is also incredibly humble, Vanessa Paradis. Um, it's really hard <laughs> to choose one. Oh, look, I, I love your honesty. I, I love the way you've done that. When you, I saw you in a clip from The Gentleman. Did you get to drive any of those lovely looking cars? 
Uh, well, Michelle Dockery is one who was opposite me, and I have to say, she's just so incredible. You know, what I love about shooting in London, it was out of Hollywood, so I just, there was no pressure about, like, you know, the ego side of it. I felt much more relaxed, and um, being on that set, you know, I felt like everybody was in character, and uh, I didn't quite run into a lot of castmates, because... Mm -hmm. You know, the schedule is very different and that's what happens in a film like you shoot your I had a cameo so I wasn't part of like the whole film you know it was sure. just cameo yeah uh, yeah I still like Matthew McConaughey but I don't like to do small talk on set because people are in you know in their process of working and delivering mm -hmm. and they're focused on that so as much as I can I try not to just like hey like how are you doing and what are you having for lunch because yeah. maybe he's got like to focus on like killing someone in the scene or things like that. I suppose when the, the actors that in totally engulf themselves in their character, they don't like to break the character. I was told by some of the people I've interviewed and you just sort of nod to them and that's about it. Now, if one of your kids looked up and went, mummy, I'd love to be a model or mummy, I'd like to go into acting. What would you say? Um, they say the opposite. They're like, I hate what you do. And like, I would never do that. <laughs> They actually have all their opportunities, you know, because my agents always ask them like, hey, can they do these campaigns? And my daughter is a little bit more into it. Like, yeah. I'm not a stage mom, so I'm not like always like, hey, like you have yeah. to do it, and, like do whatever. But I think it's important as well, like growing up in LA, you can mm. just, and being entitled, you know, I'm like, it's important like to have some work ethics sometimes. Yes. So there is kind of like a job, like I let them do that. You know, my daughter wrote, wrote a song for a film. So she was very excited about that actually. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they, they see that it's a really tough job. They can see the other side of it, you know, yeah. and the time that it takes to put into it and the schedule and, you know, everything behind the scenes. So I, don't, I think they're not really pleased. They don't see the glamorous side in the finished project. You wouldn't, would you, you wouldn't worry if they decided to or not to go in? You know, I think when I was growing up, I didn't have a lot of opportunities. I remember a lot of kids in our class, like they were kind of like, what are you going to be? Like, you're going to be a lawyer just because it was a changing time. Yeah. And yes. I was like, I didn't want to be a lawyer. I didn't want to be forced to say I want to be a lawyer. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to be an astronaut and I was told no like it's yeah. you know beyond your like you know your capability so I don't want to force them to be anything they they don't want to be I just want to be there to encourage them to try different things and I'm so lucky that I can you know yeah. and see where they find their passion that's the most important thing like, to find your passion in life and then you'll be successful at that no matter what it is I was talking with a uh I won't say who he is, but a quite a famous actor once in Australia. He was just having a beer in a pub. And he said to me, the one thing he loves about coming down to Australia is it doesn't matter how famous you are, Australians just nod and keep walking. He said, but in, our, in America, you can be, uh, they, ought, they, they don't respect your personal space. How do you go at when, when someone recognises who you are and they, they say, oh, I remember you as a model, I remember you as an actress or whatever, and they, they don't mean to, but they, they sort of want to talk to you and want to do this and that. You just want to do the shopping or you just want to go down the road. How do you handle that, that side of fame where you try to be polite, but at the same time you want to get on with your life? Um, well, you know, I'm in LA, there's so many famous, much more famous people than me. There's always somebody more famous than you next door to you. <laughs> 
<laughs> honestly, like the list goes on. Um, I literally live like next door to Meryl Street, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now we're gonna, you know, who else do you? <laughs> yes, but you know, a lot of times, like if you're at the press um, or mm. you know, you're like promoting a film, there would be people who come up and like maybe ask too many questions or things like that. Yeah. Um, no, I just they try to be respectful of them because I understand, you know, it's it's just part of the job. Like it can be can be bad. I wasn't in a lot of scandals, I would say. Yeah. You know, I could see it from maybe somebody who was like how heartbreaking it is and how you can yeah. snap. But I try to just respect the public because you know it's my job to like that's that's why I'm there because people go to movies and you know if I'm at red carpet and somebody asks like yeah. to take pictures with them or things like that, I would definitely rather go to the audience and do pictures with them than you know just focus on like, hey, I'm unavailable and unattachable. I'm just like everybody. For it's, me, it's, it's just part of the job, you know. It's funny how the press make a scandal out of something which is just real life to everybody else. And you look at it and go, okay, you guy had too many drinks or okay, this happened or that happened. You go, really guys, it's just someone living their life. Uh, but now we're into the COVID times and there's not a lot of, we don't work as we used to. You were talking about that before. Have you got anything that's been stuck in the can that's about to come out or you've been working on or you've now been given the, the green light to go and work on now that we seem to be coming through this? Yeah, there's so many projects that I was so excited to do. You know, um, I managed to shoot like a cameo actually now in LA because yeah. people with Eric Roberts, who I really love his, you know, acting. He's been through so much in his career with such a talented actor. Um, I have a few films. Well, the Guy Ritchie project, I can't really talk a lot about it, but yeah. we're supposed to shoot the next one in London. And yes. apparently it's not happening <laughs> for now. Um, there's a romantic comedy that I'm working on and I have to be a singer. So that's exciting. It gives okay. me some time to kind of prepare more. Uh, Spy City, haven't come out yet. Shot it right before pandemic. Um, TV series, it's limited. Very exciting, you know, uh, fast pace. So what's show. that all about? Uh, it's about spies in the 60s. Yeah. And it's happening in Berlin when the wall, you know, like yeah. there's walls. So they're all this exciting, like love stories and, you know, action. Had to do my stunts was very exciting um and yeah i have a horror film so there's a lot of projects that are a little bit on hold but i've been lucky because with stand up a few places opened up for now yes. and you kind of can do it you know with social distancing and um respect because you don't have to be like next to your partner and you don't have like a kissing scene or anything like that <laughs> um so yeah i've done a few of those and like driving shows that's what they do now in la um, people drive in and they honk or like they blink their lights when they think it's funny, which was really strange, but kind of adjusting to that. Yeah. I yeah. can't imagine you being in a horror show, a horror movie. You are imagining? <laughs> no, no, I can't. Is it, is, do you channel then Cranky Mum to do the, uh, the horror or is it more like a comedy horror? It's a comedy horror. Yeah, actually, um, I mean, we'll see when they're going to shoot it, but I'm a model who dies first. <laughs> oh, no. I should have said that. Well, we don't but, know the name of it, so I, I can't say. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's probably going to take time. You know, the thing is, like, with some independent productions, yeah. it's really hard. The business is changing so fast. So, yeah. you know, like, who knows what's going to happen to Cannes Festival and, you know, all this independent great stories that yeah. were supposed to be told with, like, their production and putting them together. So if you look back at your, your career so far, and it just seems to be going one way onwards and upwards now, and you, you met your 21-year-old self standing in uh, Times Square in New York. What would you tell yourself? At 21, I had accomplished so much. But I mean, you're looking at yourself now, back to 21. What would you say? I would say uh, time is very valuable. You know, definitely you're allowed to say no. I think for somebody who's coming from like third world country and is just so determined, Mm you like say yes to every opportunity and you just like next, next, next and don't stop. I think time is everything and like how you spend it with people you love is something that you would remember in small moments. Like it's okay to say no to some projects and take time off Uh, and really value that and ask yourself more like why you do what you do rather than just like, you know, check mark. I did that and I did that. So I think bringing more value to the world rather than, you know, just being part of something is That's more awesome. So if I uh, gave you a, a lovely five seat five empty seats in a restaurant in Santa Monica and said, you can invite anybody you want to sit down and talk, family, friends, people you've uh, worked with, who would you have dinner with and why? That's such a hard question. <laughs> I mean, you, you won't, you won't get in trouble if you forget somebody. I mean, obviously, I do have my family. Like, it's everything to me. Awesome. I would say I, I love Princess Diana is one of the characters yeah. that I absolutely adore. Yeah. Uh, just because she's so kind and, uh, you know, somebody I definitely look up for values. Uh, so that, that would be probably it, you know. But it is really hard to choose one person over the other. I think we have so many yeah. incredible inspirations in this world that, you know, we can look up to. So it'll be a very long table. <laughs> yes, it will be. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people on my show and I can, I'm going to say this on the record. You have been one of the most loveliest people to interview. I love you that you're so honest and you're just who you are. I think that shows when, if anyone sees you on, in your movies or even in your shots, it, uh, it comes through and, uh, it's been a complete pleasure to have you on our show. And, uh, I look forward to seeing you having a leading role very soon in one of these big shows. And I'm going to, I'll be sitting on the couch with my wife going, I interviewed her. Look at her now. She's an absolute mega star. Well, we all are stars, you know, I think every person deserves to, you know, to have their voice spoken. So thank you yeah. so much. You know, I'm happy and I hope people will get inspired and pursue their own dreams, you know, whatever it is. Oh, that's, that's absolutely awesome. You take care there in LA and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you so much. You too. So and lovely. as I say to everybody in the show, have a groovy day. Thanks again for listening to today's podcast. Don't forget these podcasts are brought to you by Resilient Sales Coaching. You can find us on the web at www.robelliot.com dot com dot au. I hope you have an absolutely awesome day.